Steelers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be, Victory Lane. As my friend at NBC Sports Washington, Savannah, says, Shee-wee! What a race we had at Colorado. Goodness gracious, we have a lot, and I mean a lot, to unpack from Decono. Haley Deegan, you know her by now. You've seen the finish. She wins in a dramatic last lap overtime bump slash dump and run of her teammate Derek Krause. Was it fair? Was it foul? We will discuss. I'll let you be the judge. We'll hear from her on her winning move plus a handful more drivers, and we'll also recap the Monday action from Michigan. Go ahead, Daryl Waltrip. We only got you for one more cup race as a broadcaster, so make it a good one. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. Colorado Napa 150 from Colorado National Speedway. I have in my notes, this was a holy bejesus to the highest degree, and honestly, I, I think it was. Insane racing throughout the entire night. And I talked with the track operator, Jim, and I'm sorry, Jim, I do not know how to pronounce your last name. It starts with an N, but by the time you hear this podcast, there's probably the article out on NASCARHomeTracks.com of his article that I wrote. Talked to him about the track resurfacing and the race that it produced. It was insane. Uh, Cody Vanderwall set the new track record in qualifying. Uh, There were multiple grooves of racing. The leaders at one point were two by two with Vanderwall leading up front for like five laps in a row. It was it was insane. Um, boy, that was, that was so fun. I enjoyed all 150 plus laps of racing on Saturday night. Yes, plus means that we had overtime. Let's fast forward to the end of the race. Brittany Zamora spins out to bring out a caution. She was racing underneath her teammate, Derek Krause, with about three or so laps to go. So she brings out the caution, setting up a green-white checkered finish and NASCAR overtime. So... Haley Deegan's leading the race at this point. There was a lot of deliberation on her radio whether or not to take the bottom for the restart or take the top. The top had been the preferred groove all race long. She said over the radio multiple times, I'm 50-50, I don't know what to do. But her dad, Brian, got on the radio and said, take the bottom so you can protect the dive bomb attempt from Jagger Jones the six. So that's what she did. She took the bottom after a ton of deliberating with her team, and Derek Krause restarts third. Mind you, with a broken sway bar, which is just an accomplishment in and of itself. And he absolutely sends it into turn one, clears Deegan off of turn two and Huddleston. Deegan ends up clearing Trevor Huddleston and Jagger Jones coming off of turn four, coming to the white flag. Keyword, coming to the white flag. So coming down into turn four, she sends it even harder into turn three, coming to the checkers. I'll say it. She dumped him. I mean, she knows she did. Dumped Derek Krause for the W. It was absurd. I was watching in the exit of turn two with her number 19 team, and I tweeted a video out, I believe, on the NASCAR Home Tracks Twitter, and they were freaking out. They were climbing up on the fence. They're like, uh, uh, oh my god! It was, it was insane. It was one of those moments where you're never gonna forget where you were. And I'm sure everybody watching on FansChoice.tv or if you're at the racetrack, 
you were pretty much jumping out of your seat. You could not contain yourself. It was insane. So I caught up with Haley in her holler once things began to calm down a little bit. Uh, on the front stretch when I talked to her, she was super amped up, said it was the craziest, wackiest race that she's ever been in. But once the emotions kind of started to subside and she could kind of reflect a little more on it, which is tough to do in an adrenaline-type world that we live in, especially after a race like this, we caught up with her for a few minutes. We have escaped the crowd, the mob. We are chilling in Haley Deegan's holler. What a race. Some blueberries. <laughs> yeah, get all the blueberries and peanut butter you need Ooh. as you spill them all okay. over the holler. <laughs> take me through the mindset on the last lap. I heard the conversation on your guys' radio, whether or not to take the top and the bottom. You oh opted to take the bottom to try to wash up the six, and then your teammate, the 16, dives inside. Take I know it. he had a broken car. Yeah. So I was he like, had a broken sway bar. First of all, he has a broken sway bar. He's my teammate. So I was like, oh, he's not going to run me that dirty. Like, we're in it for points. He's not going to kill each other off the like, – it would be like a one-two finish. And I knew I was going to wash up the six a little bit, but I knew if I took that top of the six, it was going to take a swing at me. So I was like, this is like all or nothing. And then Derek just went flying into the bottom. So I was like, dude, my car, if I got back to the gas too early, it pushed towards the wall. And so I had to get back to the gas. So he dove in and hit me. So I was literally full cranked towards the wall. I was like, if I bounce off the wall, we're still going right now. And all of a sudden I saw an opening on the bottom. And I was like, dude, if he's going to dog me like that, like I'm going all or nothing. Like. And so I dove to the bottom. I mean, I expected him to be like lane two and a half, three after that. But he left it a little bit open. So I dove in there and in the end, took the first swing and I took the last one. So in the end, a win's a win. People will do anything for wins. And we were just talking off mic, you know. I mean, he, he did you dirty in turn one, according to some people. And then you did him dirty back in turns three and four to some people. It's, mm -hmm. Is it one of those things where in the moment you're obviously not thinking about no, it? No, but, no, no, no. You're but, going. Right. But I after, thought it was over there for a second. I was like, yeah, no. I think everyone did. But then after the fact, are you just looking back on it saying, you know what? That's hard race and no hard feelings. No regrets. That. No regrets during that race. I think in the end, I would have regretted if I wrecked us both for sure. But I saw an opening and I kind of two-wheeled the concrete right there. So opening was small, but I had to take it. In the end, he ran me really hard on that restart. Even my dad didn't think he was going to run me that hard. My dad's like, oh, the 16 behind you, no pressure. Just worry about the six mm -hmm. and getting past him. So I was like, all right, awesome. And he came flying. So I was like, dude, I got to make a move. Yeah, and you did. I did make a move. And you did it very well. Talk to me about the racing overall as a whole at Colorado. The top five, you were in the middle of that, were nose to tail, two by two for a few laps. I mean, this new surface oh seemed to produce some amazing racing. So the outside was really good, but it's also like if you open it up and then got straight drive off, for me, it was killer. Mm -hmm. But I think the outside groove was where it was at. And we had some hard racing there and my teammates, my teammate, one of them was running me really hard in the beginning. So it's like, okay, fine. And I was like, I can run hard. And so then uh, 99 ended up costing us, pretty much almost cost us the race right there. And I was gonna be pissed if she did. <laughs> I was really disappointed in her what she did and so i was just uh, i knew it was gonna be a fight and they kept getting caution after caution and every time it was a long green we were killer 12 car lane lead but and then when they reeled us back in for the caution so just sucked like that but in the end we showed that we're the hardest fighting races out here and i'm done taking everyone's crap for everything and if you're gonna run me hard i'm gonna run you hard and that's exactly that's gonna be and obviously i see everyone's gonna run me hard so i'm gonna run everyone back hard You've done that your entire career, and it was no different tonight. Mm -hmm. And you told me on the front stretch, this is probably overall the most intense, yep. crazy, action-packed race. The biggest, bl throwing blows everywhere racing. And I thought it was good racing in the end. No I think one. it was the best race I've seen in the three years oh, that yeah. I've been covering the series. We were all going straight 110% the yeah. whole time because so we were like, oh, it's going to rain, so we got to go. And all of a sudden, like, everyone burns their stuff up. My stuff's still good. So, like, I knew a line to run, but in the end, 
the restarts were hard. Yeah. Because you didn't know where to go. It's a 50-50 shot. Right. And you were talking about that on the radio because I heard you said you it were 50-50. Full panic. So all of a sudden, Eric's saying, okay, well, you're going to the high group. My creature saying you're going to the low. You might want to take the low. No, my dad says you might want to take the low. But then I'm like, I haven't messed up the high. And so I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm solid 50-50. And I was like, Dad, you call. And he's like, bottom. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out pretty well. Um, Haley, congrats on the win. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Lots to unpack there from Haley. A couple things. What she said there was true. Derek Krause did leave a little space going into turns three and four. I rewatched the video a bunch. She drove it in deep, but there was a tiny bit of space. And FansChoice.tv's broadcast showed the video, um, kind of a replay as NASCAR officials were reviewing the finish, and there was a tiny bit of space there for her to go. And Chris Wright, the series director, he told me afterwards, he said, look, I couldn't make the call to say that she was not the winner because there was a little bit of a hole there. Uh, And when you look at it, you know, look, he doored her into turn one. She dumped him into turn four. Fair or foul, I'll let you decide. I'm here to tell you that that's racing. That That's part of short track racing in the K&M Pro Series West and East. That's how it goes. That's how it happens. So she's right about that. There was some space. He did race her really hard, and she dumped him, which is also really hard, but I don't blame her for that. She's trying to win a race, and she did it, and you can't argue with the result. I was kind of surprised that he did make the move, though, and she was as well. I thought... Points-wise, you know, Derek Krause leading the point standings, he'd be chilling and maybe wait for Jagger Jones and Haley Deegan to maybe take each other out uh, as the green-white checkered happened because the outside lane was indeed where it was at all night long. So I was surprised that Derek sent it, but good on him for doing that. He ended up coming home in eighth place. Um, A part of Haley's interview there where I disagree with her was what she said about her teammate Brittany Zamora spinning. So from what I gathered from that, Haley thought that Brittany deliberately spun out, which is not what happened. She just lost it underneath of Derek Krass, and we'll hear from Brittany a little bit later on. She thought that she was not given enough room from the 16. Uh, so maybe some BMR beef going on. I don't know. I'm not here to start anything, but just reporting what was told to me and by the drivers. So uh, I, I did not agree with Haley there. I, I don't think Brittany did that intentionally at all. Um, she just lost it. You know, it was just racing. She was driving hard, trying to battle for position at the end, and just got a little too much out of her car. She hit the concrete in turns two, uh, turned one and two, and she just lost it. I'm not sure why she thinks Brittany would do that to sabotage her, but oh well, we move on. In the end, as she said a lot in the end, she did what she had to do to win. And an interesting stat, that's not really a stat, it's just kind of if you're watching the races, you know this. All three of Haley's wins, which have come at Meridian last year, Vegas this year, and now Colorado, all three of her wins have been like this. It's been a last lap pass with contact to win. Say what you will about that. All I know is that she's doing what she has to do to win. And that might be taking a bit of a neutral approach. I'm for it. I'm fine with it. But it's going to come to a point where people are going to start saying more and shouting from the rooftops, when is this girl going to win a race clean? Now, she is going to, I think probably this year as well. She's got a ton of speed and she's got the goods. But it's just kind of ironic that all three of her wins so far have come with a last lap pass. One was a dump. Another one, lap, lap traffic got in the way. Um, and another one, she bumped her teammate out of the way. Not a dump, but a bump. So that, that's Haley Deegan. A lot to unpack there, but I'm glad that we got to catch up with her. She's always super, super fun to talk to after a race. I also caught up with her father, Brian Deegan, of course, X Games legend, who was on the radio during the race, as he is for every race. And he was the one who convinced Haley 
to take the bottom. There was a really funny exchange that happened around the midpoint uh, portion of the race that I'll explain, and he kind of hit on here in this interview. Proud Papa, Brian Deegan here, as Haley signing a ridiculous amount of autographs. I want to talk to you about the last restart. You pretty much made the decision for her to take the bottom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You pretty much made the decision for her to take the bottom. If she was 50-50, why were you so confident in that? You know, the only reason I said take the bottom, which I knew the top was better, but it was a green-white checkered, and I knew 100% the six, three starts before, tried to, try to um, door her and take her out. Which, hey, I get it. It's for the lead. It's mm-hmm. aggressive racing. Uh, the thing is, though, I, I'm like, why give him another chance? Because this next time, he ain't going to let it go. It's going to go down to one of them's going to crash. I just knew it. And I said, let, you know what? Just let him take the top. You take the bottom. Derek's behind you. His car's he's got a broke sway bar. Something's not right in the car. You should be just fine. Derek ain't, I go, Derek ain't going to take you out. He's always raced Haley clean. And I, out of blue, I'm like, holy shit, here he comes. Like I was like, I never expected him. He must have backed up and got a run, and he got right under on, on, on it. And I get it. He's going for the win. I didn't expect it. But, like, I told Haley, like, it was raining, and she was like, man, she was get, I could tell she was getting tense because she hasn't led a lot of races, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, hey, you know what? Toughen up, dude. Let's go. Quit being a wimp. Let's, like, like ser- I said a little worse <laughs> than that. You said a little worse than that. I said something about like, Quit being a, yeah, something. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what, man, let's go. Elbows up. You know, and, and that means let's let's go. Like, make no friends. It's time to race. And that's what we do in truck racing. Cards that we practice this all day long, aggressive driving. And I'm like, hey, get it. This ain't going to be easy, but let's do it. You do this. And she went out, you know, basically drove aggressive. Derek took a shot. Hey, I get it. It was only a few laps to go. And luckily she got a run on him going into the last turn. And she knew what to do. She had to, you know, you don't want to go rear, rear end someone and take them out. That's kind of cheap. But even though if they try to clean you, but door, you got to put a nose in there and go to mm-hmm. their door. And once you get to the door, it's every man's game at that point or woman's game. So uh, I think she earned that one, you know. I, but I think all in all, that race, she probably learned the most that race. How to lead laps, how, how to like be tough and basically uh control her mind and going let's not worry about nothing else right. let's just get the job done so i think it was a great race for, for confidence and skill that was a good one so that part where we were laughing uh when he said it a little meaner it was something along these lines he got on the radio and Haley was like oh can it just start raining now and he kind of comes on and i'm gonna clean this up for the podcast but he says man up don't be a you know what you know what? Beat them. You've been beating them all damn night. Stop complaining. And I, I kid you not. I think I was also by her crew and maybe the Sunrise Ford crew. I literally was laughing out loud for probably 30 to 45 seconds straight. It was so funny. Uh, wish it was safe to talk about on podcast, but it's not. If you if you were listening, you would know what I'm talking about. Derek Krause uh, finished eighth, like I mentioned. He put his thoughts out there on social media after the race. Basically said... My mom always told me if I didn't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So he didn't say anything at all. And that's that. I, I reached out to him earlier this week to try to get a comment uh, on on what happened. And he was honest with me. He said, I'm still pretty heated about it. I don't want to say something that I'll regret. Um, but it seems like he seems to be in you know pretty good spirits about it, as, as a 16, 17-year-old guy would be. Bill McAnally, the team owner of both of those cars, was a very torn team owner, seeing both of those drivers battling out for the win in his equipment, one of them spinning the other one out. Uh, it, it was insane to watch for me. I couldn't even imagine what it's like when you are the car owner of those two vehicles. Bill is always a good quote. Uh, he had an exceptional weekend with Napa, obviously very close partners with them. 
And as, as Victory Lane was kind of winding down, we were walking back to the garage area in Pitt Road. I caught up with the team owner uh, to see his thoughts on Haley Deegan's win and Derek Krause's unfortunate end. Sure, you're a happy team owner tonight, Mr. Bill McAnally, but I'm sure your heart had to be beaten out of its chest on that green-white jacket, huh? I'll tell you what, it, it this tire, this general tire, it's a great tire, but, man, it's got this field tight. and We're running six cars bumper to bumper there with nothing For multiple to get, laps, too. Oh, crazy. But uh, what a great race. It's a great tire, but it puts on a great race. And uh, just to have our cars up there slicing and dicing for the win is pretty special. What was your feeling for you seeing the 16 dive in deep, get into the 19? You're probably thinking, oh, my God, don't wreck. And then obviously things happen in turns three and four. Your car wound up in victory lane, but that's got to be a really gut-wrenching feeling for a team owner. Oh, it was. Knowing that the 16 was had problems, he broke a sway bar earlier on and was struggling just hanging on. And we, you know, you knew the 6 and 19 were going to get together. So I was worrying about that already. Yeah. And then when the 16 goes and gets three wide – yeah, my I had, my heart hit the ground for a minute for sure. So yeah. it uh, it's bittersweet. I mean, Haley won a race. The sixteen gets spun around with Derek. I mean, it's always Brittany. They all ran their hearts out. Yeah. They drove hard, and you know that's what they're here to do is to win and to develop, and they're doing a good job doing it. As a team owner, how do you police that though? I mean, you obviously can't. You, you could maybe sit them down before and say, hey, in this scenario, this is going to happen, but things happen organically. So as a team owner, how do you police things like that when they happen? Well, we talk about it as a team, me and the drivers and the spotters, early on when, when the season, before it even starts, about taking care of equipment, racing as a team. We've got that as an advantage over mm-hmm. other cars out here, One single car teams. Let's use that to our advantage. Let's not waste a lot on each other. Save it to, have, to beat our competition. But I tell them all, 10 to go. Use it up. Use what you got. I want you all to win. So, Congrats on the win. Thank you very much. He said that they are going to have a meeting at some point this week to discuss it all, but I can probably anticipate that might be a little bit of an awkward meeting, but time will tell. Cody Vanderwall somehow, someway came home in second place. Like I mentioned off the top, he broke the track record in qualifying in front of his hometown fans. He earned his first k and pole, led a handful of laps, and somehow, through the smoke and the mirrors, he comes home runner-up at his hometown track. Second place run at his hometown track for Cody Vanderwall. Listen, man, I know you wanted to win here more than anything, considering the circumstances. But what does it say about you and your race team to come back from the struggles that you had before the first break to come back and finish second? Uh, I'm a little bit shocked at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah. Um, man, the car was so good for the first, I don't know, 30, 30 35 laps, and we just started getting super, super tight, and um, uh, the guys made some really good adjustments on both brakes, and we were pretty good there. The final run, we just couldn't quite make any headway, and then the green-white checkered. Um, the outside lane backed up like crazy, so I went to fourth or fifth, and I was like, all right, I'm happy with that, and then they all started wrecking in four, and I just, like, I saw light, and I hit the gas and burned rubber all the way to the start-finish line and came out P2, so I'm not going to complain, but I got a little bit lucky there, but... Uh, Got to give a hats off to the guys at Levine Racing for uh, sticking with me and uh, worked out in the end. So in the first stage before the, the break happened, was it just an ill-handling race car that fed, fell you back from first to fifth there? Yeah. Yeah, we just we never really did a long enough run in practice, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to know what the car was going to do after about 30 laps. And um, it just got too tight on me, but they made some good adjustments. Next up is Sonoma. I know road course racing is not your background, and you probably wouldn't consider it a strong suit, but this has got to give you a lot of momentum heading into Sonoma, huh? 
Yeah, for sure. It's a big confidence booster for us because the first two pavement races this year have been horrible. Mm-hmm. Just bad luck or bad cars, whatever you want to call it. But um, uh, it's definitely a big confidence booster. And I like racing at Sonoma. I don't claim to be the best road course racer, but um, I really like it. And I think I'll do all right. So leaving here, I, I know you kind of mentioned it, but second place at your home track and, you know, tomorrow you're graduating high school, your friends and family are here. Are you leaving here with a little bit of sour taste in your mouth or is it more so positive coming off of a really solid finish, one that you guys needed this year? You know, despite the excitement of those last couple laps, I'm still a little disappointed. Um, starting on the pole and leading those laps and stuff, I really felt like we should have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we can't do much better than P2, but uh, still the way we got it wasn't on raw speed. That's a little bit disappointing, but, you know, we still got it, so it's all right. Nice race. Thanks. And the next day, which would have been this past Sunday, he actually graduated high school. He's been homeschooled, um, but he graduated from high school. He had a tons of friends and family in town, not only from the Colorado area. He's from LaSalle, about a half hour down the road, but a lot of people flew in from Michigan as well. I know he wanted to put on a show and put it in victory lane for them, but he got pretty, pretty close. As he said right there, you know, it's pretty bittersweet, but solid run for Cody Vanderwall in the 43 nonetheless. And he drives for a small team in Levine Racing. So does Todd Souza, a guy that I don't talk about a lot on victory lane because, well, he doesn't usually run up front that much, but he's a series veteran who was third when the checkered flag flew, his best finish in the KN series since May of 2017 at Orange Show Speedway. He came through the smoke and somehow crossed the finish line in P3 and 13 car. And as we'll talk about right here, he had a lot of speed throughout the night, not the quickest car all evening long, but he is not short on confidence. Todd Souza comes home somehow, some way, with a third place finish tonight in Colorado. I'll ask you, how'd you do that? You know, at the, at the end, it was a lot of luck, right place, right time, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the, the cars were getting together on that restart, you know, the tires, it, it took really a two, three laps to get a little bit of heat back in them and some grip and people were sliding around and, uh, you know, I was able to get under the, the cars on that restart when they shoved high, you know, lap, uh, lap later, you know, I don't hear in three and four, um, you know, somebody went in there fighting for the lead and, and a couple of cars were taking each other out and we just, uh, just missed them. But we did, uh, I think, uh, about 40 or so to go. We had a shot. Uh, I think we were one of the fastest cars out there by far. I think we had a shot to win it. Um, I got pinched uh, up high, um, I think going for fourth, and uh, kind of pissed the car off a little bit. Got up there, got a bunch of rubber, got up into the wall a little bit, lost about seven or eight spots, able to come back and just kind of rode for about 10 laps till the tires cooled back down. And uh, there was a, a restart with about 20 or so to go, and that's when we started coming again. And that... Uh, I think it, I think if we had if, if it was a 200 lap race, I think we had a shot at it. Yeah, I don't have the stats in front of me, Todd, but this is probably one of your best runs that you've had in a few years. And for a team like you guys and Central Coast Cabinets and this 13 team, it's got to do wonders for your guys' confidence and just overall the morale for the team moving forward. Right, right. Anytime you could get in there and uh, run with the top, you know, three teams here, two, three teams, you know, it's huge. We're we're a single car team. We're running against these, these teams with pretty much unlimited budgets. These kids bring a lot of money to, to, to get these rides, and they got a lot of help. And, uh, you know, by far, we're, we're a single-car team. And, uh, you know, to, to finish up there in the top three, that, that's huge. But I think we got more of these to come, and uh, I think we got a win, win under our belt this year for sure. Let's talk about the rest of the year then. Sonoma's next, obviously. When people think of road courses, they don't really think of the 13 car, but you got a pretty nice record, I would say, there in your career since you've raced there a handful of times. And then moving forward in the rest of the year, you think that this car has enough speed to win a race? 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's not this exact car here, but it, it, it is a KBM car. It was a new car last year, first year on it. Um, really good car. It, uh, you know, I like the road courses a lot. I, I, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago, you know, I, I think we were one of the top cars out there on road courses. And uh, I think we're going to come back this year. We got uh, a few things worked out on this car that we learned. And I think we're going to be tough this year. I think we're going to be right up there with uh, the Jefferson Pitts cars, which are the, you know, usually the dominant ones there. But, uh, you know, we're going to charge hard. You know, single car team, it, uh, you know, anytime we get in the top five, it's huge. Good seeing one of the small guys up here tonight. Congrats. Right. Thank you. I was kind of taken aback by some of those quotes that he had there. Said he had a race-winning car and that they are going to win this season. Central Coast Cabinets Racing. I mean, look, you don't think of them on the same playing field as Sunrise Ford, Bill McAnally, DGR, maybe not even Levine. But they did get some new inventory this year. I talked with him last year for a story and kind of said they're doing a part-time schedule last year because they wanted to, to stock up on the things that they could do better this year, which is purchase some new equipment and They're doing that pretty well so far this year, clearly. Brittany Zamora, who I mentioned earlier, brought out the caution to set up the exciting finish, came home in fourth after starting almost outside the top 10 with two laps left. Uh, But a ton of carnage on the last lap allowed her to come through in fourth, another top five for driver 99. She was pretty excited about the finish considering the circumstances that happened. Uh, But I caught up with her to talk about the finish and also what led to the spin. Brittany Zamora comes home in fourth place, and I don't know how you got there because you brought out the caution at the end there while you were running, trying to contend for second or third, spun out, but you ended up getting back to fourth. How did you do that? Yeah, uh, that was an unfortunate deal, you know. I, I kind of had to baby the car a little bit with our setup, and then uh, just wasn't given the room that I deserved there on the inside, and so uh, got doored and turned around there, but that's racing, so started like ninth or tenth or something like that, and on, on a good spot. It was only two to go, so... I was hoping to stay in the top 10 there, maybe pick up a few spots, and then a whole bunch of wreckage in front of me. Don't know exactly who did what, but uh, yeah, so came out fourth, which is not bad. I mean, that's kind of where we were before the wreck, and so to come home fourth is pretty good. Was there things that you could learn from tonight, running up front in the top five and obviously coming back almost outside the top 10 to get a top five at the end? Is there something that you can learn from this night, even though it didn't go the way you wanted to ultimately? Uh, yeah, I just, I've been trying to learn like the fine line on these cars and how to be aggressive and stuff. And I just, I haven't been as aggressive as I need to. I've been giving people too much room or I've been too nice to them. And so I think that's going to change pretty soon <laughs> next race. So um, got to give, got to give them back what they're giving me and stand up for myself out there. And hopefully those ones will come. So as you can tell right there, she thinks that she got doored by the 16 from the replay. I, I don't think any contact was made. But it wasn't a great angle, and I obviously was not driving the car, so I'll have to take her at her word. Um, She's obviously feeling a lot different things than I am watching from turn two that she is behind the wheel of the race car. But still, a solid fourth-place finish for Brittany Zamora. It seems like she has like the Sam Mayer effect, you know, standing up for herself now after getting beaten up on on the racetrack a few times. But we'll see if she's able to to muscle her way up to a Wayne later on this season. I, I think, honestly, she could find it, find herself in victory lane this year because she's been pretty sporty the past few weeks. Jagger Jones, he's been sporty as well. He had something to say and wanted to make sure everybody heard it, but he was second heading into that green-white checkered finish, wound up spinning out on the white flag lap with his teammate Trevor Huddleston and finished backwards in the infield somehow. Uh, he explains it all because I didn't really see any of it in the moment. And also ended up throwing some shade at two BMR drivers. Take a listen. 
Jagger Jones with a wild end to his race. We think you finished seventh, but we're not really sure. What happened on the last lap? It was hard for me to see, but obviously you lived it. Yeah, so it really just all started with the green-white checkered on the initial restart for the green-white checkered. I um, I was on the outside. I had a really good uh, run on this uh, 19, and then I'm in the middle of the corner, and all of a sudden I hear three wide. You're on the outside, and I guess the 16 just threw it in there and just ran Haley up, and she just ran into me, so I fell back to fourth or so, and then I was in third going into the last corner, and um, it was just kind of a a deal where you just run into people and hope it sticks that's what um the 19 loves to do so um i mean i guess she got the win and it worked out for her but it, i don't think that'll last um same with the 16 you just can't race like that forever i mean it might work a race or two but just gonna come back to you so unfortunate but i think we just keep running how we did tonight i was in contention to win we had probably second place speed Haley was a mm-hmm. little faster um just on the the first 10 laps on the short run so if we just can work on that just tune up a little bit run where we are have chances to win i think um in that situation i'll definitely get one of the wins just if i could be first second top three there um the last couple laps and you ran second pretty much the entire night and on the last lap uh, again I, I didn't see it was there a spin with you and trevor your teammate and then that's kind of what forced you to end up in the infield and finish outside of the top five is that what went down yeah i think it the contact was happening. I, I was right on the 19th bumper. Okay. Trevor was inside or right behind me. And then uh, when Haley hit the 16, everyone checked up. And right. I think it's just hard to tell. Yeah. I, Trevor, I don't. I know he didn't try to take me out if he did. or It, it honestly all started with the two in front of us. So um, they're just trying to see who could wreck each other first, it seemed like. And he threw some more on Twitter, too. He, he responded to Derek Krause and basically said, but you didn't show when you tried to kill us all in turn one. <laughs> Drove it in like 15 car lengths too deep. I was like, damn, go ahead, Jagger. Say something. But solid run for him, absolutely for sure. Matt Levine came home in fifth place. Two Levine cars in the top five as well as Todd Souza. Insane. How about this? If you know, if, if you know anything about the K&N series, you know that John Wood has been around a long time, been around the block or two, but he's one of those backmarkers that kind of is there, let's face it, to help the car count. He finished in sixth. John Wood finished in sixth place. Are you kidding me? Talk about attrition. That is insane. An amazing finish for him. Trevor Hollison came home in ninth, and Takuma Koga with a top 10 in 10th place. Shoo-wee! God, what a race. Like... That that was the best K&M Pro Series race that I have seen in my two-plus, almost three years covering the beat. It really was. The the racing throughout all 150-plus laps was great. It was compelling. It was entertaining. It was enthralling. They were side-by-side for multiple laps at a time. There was differing strategies in terms of what lanes to run. There was beaten and banging. There was an incredible finish, a very popular winner. A lot of attention came from it. Overall, I think Saturday might go down as one of those races that you will never forget where you were when Haley Deegan won her third career race in Colorado. Firekeepers Casino 400 from Michigan International Speedway on a Monday, by the way, postponed to 5 p.m. Monday afternoon after Bubba Wallace, Corey LaJoy, Ryan Blaney, and Daniel Hemrick ended up playing some football with the fans on the front stretch. That's a lot of Fs, football with the fans on the front stretch as the rain kind of just kept on coming down on Sunday afternoon and we unfortunately could not get the race in. Joey Logano, Team Penske, Ford in their backyard, starts from the pole, 
Leads 163 laps, holds off Kurt Busch on a restart in overtime, and wins his second race of the season. Domination in every source and facet of the word. Not a bad race at all. Here he was talking about his evening, afternoon, I guess you could say, in the media center at MIS. They laid out a plan and pretty much filled me in on what it was going to be. <laughs> and uh, I was in on the plan, and I was, I was bought in. I was good with it. Um, and it's... Uh, was nice to be able to show that the car had a lot of speed throughout the whole race. Um, I'm proud of that. What I'm more proud of, though, is, is just the way we handled everything throughout the weekend. Um, you know, we, we unloaded with speed, but the car didn't drive good. We were able to put some handling in the car, got the car driving decent. Uh, qualifying on the front row and, and putting on the pole is huge. Um, that paid dividends throughout the whole race. Uh, and then the execution, you know, the, the strategy, the pit stops, the... And the driver did pretty good too. Made one mistake, but he made up for it, so that's good. And um, you know, ultimately, be able to be in victory lane. You don't have days like that that are so close to perfect. That doesn't happen very often in, in our sport. So, um, like I said, I'm very proud of the effort that we've had that we've had really the last few weeks. But um, from the execution side, but this time we had the speed and had the, the execution going along with it, and that's what really uh, paid off for today. And ultimately getting a Ford and, and bringing a Mustang into the victory lane for the first time uh, at Michigan. So I'm um, very, very proud and honored to be uh, the guy that's bringing a car like that into victory lane for the first time at, at a racetrack that's in their backyard. He ended up leading 109 of the first 113 laps. Austin Dillon won stage two on fuel strategy, and Kevin Harvick was second in that stage. Can, can we talk about him for a second? Uh Anybody that knows me knows my past history with Kevin Harvick. Not shy about that. I was his number one fan, you know, since transitioning into more of a media role now, obviously. But when I was at the height of my Kevin fandom, so to speak, every week, going back to the RCR days, too, he had one of the fastest cars. His pit crew would always screw it up. Or something would happen, bad luck-wise, and he would just finish 10th or 15th with a 5th-place car or something like that. And then when he got to SHR... He kind of had speed off the truck when they unloaded and was fast throughout the race. This season is very frustrating for Kevin Harvick. He was very short post-race, basically saying, I don't know, I just drive the car. I do what I'm told. You have to ask them. I just drive. He has a right to be frustrated. You know, They're making a lot of mistakes in the four camp. Rodney Childers owned up to this one when he took four tires instead of two under the last green flag pit stops, the set of them. I was watching the race at work at NBC Sports Washington with my friend Zach Hamilton, and I said, look, if Harvick has any chance of passing Logano, he's not going to be able to do it under green because passing's too damn hard. You have to do it short pitting. You have to do it on strategy, and taking four tires was not going to get you there. You'd either have to take two or none. Harvick was one of the only leaders who took four tires, and everybody else took two or none, and Harvick ended up finishing in sixth or seventh place, I believe, uh, and just could not pass anybody because he was too far back once those stops cycled out. The restart at the end, that was questioned by Martin Truex Jr., more complaining from him. Uh, yeah, like Joey jumped the restart, but so did Brad at Kansas. It happens. Like Jeff Gluck tweeted something, and it's very, it's very true. Is NASCAR really going to penalize the driver who ends up winning the race for jumping the restart a car length or two too soon and then give the win to the second-place driver? No. No chance. So, yeah, you're going to take that shot if you're Joey Logano leading on the final restart and jumping that a car length or maybe a half a car length early. And Martin Truex can complain all he wants, but Joey did what he had to do, and he got the win. Kurt Busch came home in second, Truex third. 
Daniel Suarez, solid run for him in the 41 and fourth. Kyle Busch, somehow with a fifth place run, he was running like 15th all day. And I was surprised because I hadn't seen him. And Zach, who I was watching with, was like, Kyle's going to win this race. You just watch. He's going to he's gonna stalk up there and, and kill them all at the end. But got close, just no cigar. Brad, sixth. Harvick, seventh. Uh, and again, he was not happy because he had a ton of problems. Ryan Newman, uh, Ryan Blaney, and Alex Bowman, they rounded out the top 10. A couple of notables. Denny Hamlin finished 11th. Kyle Larson in 14th. Jimmy Johnson in 15th. Chase Elliott, 20th. Austin Dillon, 26th, after he scraped the wall after winning stage two. Bubba Wallace, 28th. He had a lot of speed, but ended up having a flat tire early on in the race. Eric Jones, 31st, after a spin to bring out the caution that set up the green-white checkered overtime restart like we had in Colorado. And Clint Boyer, the defending winner, hit the wall after some racing in stage two and finished in 35th. The problem at this race seemed that there there was nobody that could pass the leader or anybody in general, kind of. Um, You know, the talk of the garage and what's been going on within NASCAR is that at this race, like, you were penalized for trying to complete a pass, which should not be the case, and unfortunately, it was. I, I want you to hear from Pat DeMarco, NASCAR supervisor from Ford Performance, because that didn't matter to him. Uh, but you're going to hear from him on winning in the backyard of the Blue Oval. It's a huge, huge deal for manufacturers, Ford and Chevrolet specifically, being in the Michigan area, Toyota as well, because they want those bragging rights. But winning at Michigan is always a huge deal for the manufacturers. It means everything to Ford Motor Company, our employees, our dealers, our fans around the world. Um, we had dinner on Thursday night with the drivers. Etzel Ford invited all of us up to uh, Henry and Clara's original estate, uh, private dinner. It was uh, nice to be there with the Ford with with a Ford family member, and he reminded us that uh, we win fifty percent of the races here at MIS, and so. He said he wanted to bring this trophy home, and uh, we did. So we got at least 50% of the races in t- 2019, and I think Joey out there said we're at 51% now for Mr. Ford. Overall, this race was it was like bittersweet for me. Jeff Gluck's poll got 50-50 for the ninth time that he's been doing the poll. It was bittersweet because I, I enjoyed that the cars were closer together. I enjoyed that Michigan's like an aesthetically pleasing racetrack, I think. You know what I mean, guys? Like, like when you're watching a race at Michigan, the cars are all not super spaced out, but they just look very into the racetrack, and I like watching racing there. But nobody could pass. The drafting was cool. You could get a lot of runs and a lot of momentum, but this package, it's it's becoming questionable for me. It always has been, but now it's just kind of becoming more questionable. I highly recommend a reading for you guys. Go Go on Matt Weaver's Twitter. He wrote an opinion piece basically saying nobody's having fun in NASCAR this year. The drivers aren't, so how are the fans supposed to? And I texted him last night. It it pretty much encapsulates my entire thought process from the drop of the green flag in Daytona with this package. It's it's hard to, to reason with yourself that the racing is good or is it and the drivers hate it, so why should the fans like it if the drivers don't? It's... It's very difficult to deal with, but I think Matt did a really good job encapsulating that. So I highly recommend that as a reading piece. Look nuts of the week. Cue the music. Brian France pleaded guilty to a DWI as he was arrested last year. As part of the plea agreement, France is required to complete 100 hours of community service and is going to undergo alcohol counseling before he gets sentenced. 
And if he successfully complies with the requirements, he's going to be able to withdraw his plea and the charge is going to be reduced to a violation of driving while his ability being impaired. I mean, hey, legal system, what are you going to do, I guess? Mark Miles, the CEO of IndyCar, called a doubleheader a, quote, long shot for IndyCar, and I hate him for saying that because I want it to happen, so thanks for nothing, Mark. Justin Haley released his throwback for Darlington. It's a Ray Bestis one for Jeff Burton and Bob Collig, the CFO of Collig Racing, and Alex Bowman also released his. It's going to be a Tim Richmond throwback. Both look pretty dope, in my opinion. AJ Allmendinger is going to also sign on with Collig Racing for four races this season in Xfinity, Daytona in July, Mid-Ohio, Road America, and the Charlotte Roval later on this season. Kurt Busch said he's going to use his off weekend at Le Mans to go over his 2020 plans, so we'll see if he can maybe score a ride there for next year. Who knows? Former Xfinity Series champion Jeff Green is going to miss the second half of the Xfinity season to recover from rotator cuff surgery. He's 56 years old, so he's going to race in Kentucky in July and then not for the rest of the year. But he will take over crew chief duties for Ryan Sieg Racing on July 27th at Iowa. And the team said that they do plan on Green returning in 2020 depending on funding and sponsorship. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to quickly look ahead to the Truck and Xfinity Series at Iowa this next weekend. The Cup Series is off, but they are there. It's a really good track in Newton, Iowa. I'm going to be there later this year for the K&N race. Should be fun. And before that, I want you to hear from Tyler Reddick on his Xfinity Series win this past weekend. His third of the season, and he is garnering hella attention for good reason in 2019. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like our car would would work the bottom a lot better earlier in the run than, than most people could. Uh, towards the end of that second stage, whenever we were running down the, the 12, the, the 20, and the double zero, we were able to run them down pretty fast. But, uh, you know, once we got there, it was, a little, it was a little difficult to really do a lot when you have three cars in a row like that, um, you know. One car behind the next and the next is just less and less there that you're able to take advantage of. But so, you know, it was we needed to do some work work on our car. But I feel like if I, you know, could get to them early enough in the run, I'd be able to make those passes. But it definitely gets harder as the run goes on. So our car would really take off. And I I don't know, I maybe go back to watch the race and I'll feel differently about it. But I feel like we can make more moves than most people could early in a run on people. And uh, our car would drive really good in the beginning of the run. So, you know, it, was one, it just ended up being a, a kind of a, a race where. Uh, whoever made the best call at the end and took advantage of what what fell their way uh, won the race. But you know that that falls on Randall. He he saw the way the race was going to go. He saw the, the leader stay out there, um, and he wanted to get us ahead of the rest of the guys that pitted. And we took fuel only, and we were able to get up in front of those guys, get around the people that, that did stay out, and uh, you know just be the first one on that strategy. Ryan Ellis is going to be in the 99 for this weekend for to- Tommy Joe Martin's race team. Uh, Joe Graff Jr. is going to be back, and he will make the show because there's 39 cars. He did not qualify in an RCR car at Michigan. That that might be the most embarrassing moment of the year. Like, definitely a candidate for sure. Harrison Burton's pulling double duty. Natalie Decker is in the field for the truck race. No Tyler Ankrum. Um, Rafael Lasard is going to be racing the 17 truck instead for DGR. I talked with Tyler uh, today. Hopefully by the time you hear this, an article is out um, with some quotes from him as to you know the reasoning behind why the full-time schedule which was announced earlier this year is now no more can we talk greg biffle holy bejesus he wins the speedycash.com 400 at texas have you ever no i've never dude hasn't raced into trucks since 04 he hasn't won a truck race since 01 
He whoops all the youngins and wins on Friday night for KBM. Like, this was insane. Probably a story of the year candidate, no? It's got to be. I, I was literally driving with the NASCAR photographer, Meg Oliphant. Shout out to you, Meg, if you're listening. Probably not. In the car, and I got a notification that Greg Biffle won, and I freaked out. And then my boy Diego, I know you're listening. We were talking about it later on. And Heather, I know you're listening. I was helping Heather with her open for uh, the k broadcast, and I was like, Heather, why don't you just talk about Greg Biffle for your open, okay? Like, th- that, that was the story of the weekend. It was insane. So he wasn't super confident going in and admits it, but winds up a winner. I mean, it, it feels really good to, to be able to come back and uh, drive a, a, a good, fast truck. And, you know, I, I learned a tremendous amount tonight. I wasn't sure the first part of this thing, you know, it went green and I felt really good about the speed of our truck. And, and then the second and third run, I didn't feel like uh, I was, you know, figuring out how to get around these guys. We ended up getting the lead. And then the uh, guys dra- drafted right by me. So I knew I had my work cut out for me to figure out the, the draft of these trucks and, and what they drive like. And, you know, they, they, made a, they made it easy for me. They gave me a really good truck. Uh, pit stops were phenomenal. And, uh, you know, the, the, we worked really good in practice, you know, three or four, three practice sessions to get the thing uh, driving, you know, driving the way it felt good to me. Uh, we worked really well together, so it was, uh, it was, it was a great opportunity for me. I'm, I'm so happy to be able to come back and, and run that well. Let's hear more from the Biff. Let's stick with the Biff, as Johnny Roberts always says. It's just crazy because he came in somewhat worried about this race, ironically. And then, once he gets more practice laps underneath him, once he qualifies the truck, once he's back in race mode, he starts picking them off one by one, and he wins! Yeah, so, so many things went through my head about uh, what I was going to expect or what what I thought was going to happen here tonight or this, this whole weekend. And probably, first and foremost, I just didn't want to make any mistakes, and, and you know, I'd been out of the the driver's seat for almost three years and I just didn't want to come in here and make make any mistakes I didn't want to run bad so to speak you know I didn't want to run 15th and not be able to um, perform the way that these trucks have performed so first and foremost that was my worry Uh, I felt like um, my anticipation was we'd be able to run in the top five I I thought fairly uh, confident that we'd be able to run in the you know, right around in the in the top five, top top eight, and uh, you know, ultimately the win is always in the back of your mind. You know, what am I? What's going to do to win? And these things are humbling. I mean, it's not easy. Uh, practice, man. I've I've been doing this a long, long time, and so that probably kept my spirits up. But I wasn't as fast as I wanted to be in practice. Uh, the final practice, I was 15th, and uh, that. You know, that didn't sit well with me. And I thought long and hard about it. And I, I felt like the truck drove really, really good. And our lap average was better than that. But I just didn't have that single lap speed. So I was a bit nervous about it. But after talking to Kyle, you know, and, and the way practice is, these, these trucks can put down some fast laps. And then when the, when the race comes, it's hard to put those really fast laps down. We see it in the Cup Series as well. But uh, I, I didn't, you know, I was hoping I could win, but certainly didn't come here thinking that it was going to be easy. Rudy Fugel is the crew chief for the 51 truck, and there's been a lot of stuff going on, swirling around. 
with KBM in recent weeks, especially with Todd Gillen, Harrison Burton, Kyle Busch's comments. But Rudy's going to try to put things in perspective for Kyle Busch Motorsports. KBM, so far, what a year. I mean, obviously, um, Kyle's in the headlines for a lot of things about what he says, but if you really look at things, we've got six out of nine wins. And uh, and then uh, the three of the places we didn't win, one was Daytona, which is what it is, and uh, Dover and Kansas, we got a third-place finish out of some of our other guys. So, yeah, we got to get going a little bit better, more consistent with the other two, but um, Harrison fought and finished fifth tonight. So definitely uh, try to get these trucks better so that they're easier for everybody to drive. But, um, you know, the com- communication, crew chief, engineer, driver, kind of will keep working on that with everybody to uh, to get where we're able to achieve. Uh, us two are working together, and, 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 and Kyle got involved on the phone with both of us, and we were able to make really good decisions. Yeah, Harrison Burton finished fifth. Todd started on the pole, but he spun while leading. That was a that was a big yikes for him. Felt kind of bad because it's getting to that point when the collar is getting pretty tight, especially when Greg Biffle comes in after not racing in NASCAR for two years and wins. Like, uh, but he's not even eligible for the Triple Truck Challenge. That makes me upset. The trip is a cool idea. Now nobody's gonna win it. Come on, man. I know rules are rules, but ugh. When I saw that, I literally said, ugh, like, come on, come on, just bend the rules, please. All right, guys, that'll wrap things up for episode 15 of Victory Lane 2.0, an instant classic in Colorado for the k Pro Series, no doubt about that. Please do me a favor, if you like what you heard today, rate this podcast, review it, five stars, you can subscribe as well, so episodes are automatically delivered to you, no subscription, no paid subscription required, I should say, it's free. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, and I am going to head to a NBC Sports Washington picnic right now and then go to work, write some articles, edit this podcast, post it. I will talk to you guys next week to recap what we saw at Iowa, preview what we are going to see in Sonoma, and we will have a driver interview that I had from Bristol, the one that I have remaining. I'll give you a hint. I have said his name on this show. He's an Xfinity Series regular, and he is impressing so far. I'll let you marinate on that. Peace and love, my home We'll talk to you soon.